Now, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ concerning all believers. So this is the time of year everybody thinks to thank. I preached a message once called Think to Thank. This is the time of year that we're supposed to remember to thank. But really, should it just happen once a year? It should happen all the time, every day. We are to be thankers, not just once a year. Uh, but at this time of year, we gather around the Thanksgiving table, and there's a great big turkey cooked in the middle of it. Who can't be thankful at that moment in time? Because you're about to eat that turkey. But we say, you know, thank you, Lord, for this and that. We bow and we have a prayer. And if you're not a Christian, not a believer in God, maybe even an atheist, then you gather around a table and you ask people to just say something that they're thankful for. Well, I'm thankful for this, thankful for that. But there's no acknowledgement of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I observe people. I'm a people watcher. And I've noticed something through the years that this thankful attitude doesn't last very long. Matter of fact, as soon as the holiday is over, many people slip back into complaining, slip back into criticizing, slip back into being discontent. And I've noticed something else that has really been disappointing to me, um, that America has really become more of a thankless country than a thankful country. And that's probably because we have, as a nation, rejected God. We have really become thankless, I think, because we're no longer God-conscious. We're just not thinking about God. We we don't look up and say, thank you for what I have and that it came from you. So, So we've grown. The more secular we've become, the more thankless we have become. Because when you're walking with God, thanksgiving goes with it. As a matter of fact, here in America, we've really gone the opposite direction We've become an entitlement country. Have you noticed that? An entitlement country. And when you you have this, you owe me, that's what entitlement is, you owe me. You owe me is an attitude in America rather than thank you. You owe me because I really am so wonderful, you owe me. Right? When that's the prevailing attitude, You're not going to hear much thanks from anybody because you owe me. And if I'm entitled to everything, what do I have to be thankful for? Because whatever I get, it was owed me. So I don't really need to give credit or give thanks because it was owed to me. And I don't know if you've noticed, I, I read news probably too much. But you've noticed that there seems to be, we've spawned a younger generation that is anything but thankful. Now, I'm going to footnote that with this statement real quickly. I don't mean all young people. I don't mean everybody. But I mean there is a big slice of the American pie, the younger generation, that is just not thankful for anything. I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but on college campuses all over the country, there have been protests and uprisings among college students who think that everything should be given to them. Have you noticed that in the news? Everything should be given to me because I am so wonderful, so gifted, and you're so blessed to have me at your college campus. You ought to cover everything for me. The government should pay for their college tuition. The government should pay for their health care, and that same government should cancel out all of their college debts and take care of them until they find a job. Well, 
And these things, watch this, they demand. If you notice, they demand as their right. And they've had college professors fire. They have had deans of colleges uh, who have resigned because of the protests. And, and again, let me be clear. I'm not saying that everybody's this way, but those that are this way have seized the national news media's attention who have covered them and their whiny, demanding, unthankful, and ungrateful attitudes. And to me, that is truly a shame because that is the antithesis of godliness. I don't know about you, but I like being around thankful people. And if I do something for somebody, I like somebody who says, you. you know, when you look in the Bible, you see anything but an entitlement attitude among the saints that are found in its pages. You show me a godly man or a godly woman in the Bible, and I will show you somebody that was invariably thankful. They had a thankful attitude. Because you know what? Being thankful is sane thinking and honest thinking, and realistic thinking. The people in the Bible, you'll notice, or anybody that you've known, are thankful for every single thing that they had. They thank God for everything He brought into their life. And because they were thankful, they're also not miserable or unhappy over the things they don't have. Take David. I love King David. He's one of my Bible heroes as he is most people, but I so appreciate David. You can't go anywhere in the Psalms without running across one of four words, thank, thanks, thankful, thanksgiving. I counted in the Psalms, just one of those four words is used 31 times, and if you put in there also, praise God, worship God, give credit to God, give glory to God, it just adds up and adds up so that you can't go anywhere in the Psalms without encountering a thankful attitude towards God. And then you come to the Apostle Paul, who to me was the king of a positive attitude. Nobody had the ability to rise above negative circumstances like Paul, except Jesus himself. Paul rejoiced no matter what situation he was in. And I counted in his epistles, just in the letters he wrote, I found the words, thank, thanks, thankful, thanksgiving. I found it 23 times. In the Bible as a whole, we find those four words 131 times. And again, that's minus praise him, worship him, give him glory. Now, if the Bible says something once, we ought to do it. But 131 times? When you read the Bible, you see that thanksgiving is the language of heaven. Thanksgiving is the language of heaven. If you don't like praising God and you don't like giving thanks, don't go to heaven. Get out now. Because that's all that's going to be there. Thanksgiving, praise, worship, and that's all they do up there. You say, well, I'm going to get bored real quick. Oh, no, you're not. You're going to be so engulfed and swallowed up in the glory of the living God that to give worship and to give praise, listen, some of you that haven't been able to get your hands up, they're going to be all the way up in heaven. You might as well start now. This is, this is show and tell right here. It's what the angels do around the clock. They thank God. They worship God. It's the primary preoccupation of the holy cherubim and seraphim. They thank God. They praise God. 
They worship God. It's what we were wired to do. That's why when we're lost, we worship rock groups or some movie star because we're wired to zero in on something and worship it. But we were wired to worship the living God. And once you worship the living God, there is no going back. Paul, in the verse we read, he said, listen, I want you to be thankful in all things. Not for all things, because God doesn't do all things. You can't thank God for evil when the devil does evil. But in the context of all things, in the midst of all things, in in the experience of all things, good, bad, and ugly, this is what he says. I want you to remember to thank God. Because when we're thanking God in the trouble, we're essentially saying, Lord, I know you've got it. I know you're in charge. I know that you're in control. And so I'm just going to thank you even though it looks like all hell is breaking loose. Lord, I'm going to thank you in the presence of this. And it is, it is a tool and a weapon by which we survive tough times. In everything. Give thanks. The writer of Hebrews said, we are to offer thanks continually. And here's what he called it, the fruit of your lips. The fruit of your lips. To, to, to thank continually. Thank God. You can't get near Paul, as I said. You can't get near the Apostle Paul without entering the praise zone. Because everywhere Paul was, he was in the praise zone. You find him in prison, he's praising God. You find him being hit with rocks, he's praising God. You find him being persecuted and lambasted and vilified and demonized. He's still praising God. He lived in the praise zone. He thanked God for victories. I looked at a few things. We find him thanking God for victories. He thanked God for other people, for their giving into his ministry. He thanked Jesus continuously for causing him to always triumph in Jesus Christ. He thanked God for the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. He thanked God for all of his children in the faith. Everybody that come to Jesus through him, he, he says, I constantly thank God for you. That's what he said. He thanked God all the time, nonstop. He was a major industrial strength thanker. He commanded the church to get rid of dirty stories, foul talk, nasty jokes, and replace them with a thankful tongue. He said, let God do a work on your tongue. Let God do a work on your speech. Get rid of that nasty talk and turn it into a thanker and let your tongue become sanctified. He noted in Romans 1, and I've I've really, man, have I homed in on this in the last couple of years as I've studied Romans 1. I think one of the most profound chapters ever written in the history of book writing. Romans 1 He said, an unthankful heart, an unthankful heart is one of the signs of a backsliding heart. When we cease to be thankful, something is going on in our our spiritual walk that is adrift. In other words, the closer you get to God, the more you are going to be a thanker. And the further you get from him, the more the thanksgiving drops. He said this in Romans 1. They became unthankful. They didn't give God the glory The continual appearance of thanksgiving in the Bible is like a fine golden thread that weaves its way throughout all the pages 
and brings them together, thanking, praising, worshiping, blessing God. Now, I want to share with you some of my, my own thoughts about Thanksgiving, some of the things that I've seen through the years and that I see confirmed in the Bible about what a thankful heart looks like or three signs of a thankful heart. Let me share them with you first. A thankful person acknowledges his source. A thankful person acknowledges where what he has came from. The thankful person knows where his blessings have come from, and, and, and the Bible is very clear that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness or shadow of change. Of his own will, he begat us by the word of truth. So it says that our God, watch this, our God, let me tell you what God is like. He is every day constantly pouring out, giving from his gracious, merciful hands. He is a major giver. Our God is a giver. It says he daily loads us down with benefits. Every single day, you ought to wake up and say, what's my benefit today from God? Because he daily loads us down. Boy, can you imagine being loaded down with benefits? Most people walk around loaded down with care, loaded down with worry. But the Bible says he daily loads us down with benefits. God takes care of his creation. The Bible describes the providential care of God over his entire creation. Already today, God has fed his creation. He has fed the birds. He's fed the fish of the sea. He has fed the animals. He's fed you and me. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. I love this verse. It's so powerful. It's so poetic. Listen to this. You open your hand, he says to God. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. You want to know what God looks like? Not this. Not fist clenched, his hand is open. And every day he opens his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. It's just what Jesus said. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow seed. They don't reap a harvest. They don't gather seed into barns. They don't have a bank account. They don't have a savings account. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And if he feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the field, shall he not much more clothe you and feed you and care for you and watch over you and fight for you and carry you and break through for you and give to you? And you know what? God is so good. He's better than I am. Because it says that God even gives to the wicked. He gives to the ungodly. He gives every day to those that are cursing his name. I wouldn't. Somebody's cursing my name. I'd say, hey, you made your bed, lay in it. I wouldn't give to him. Oh, I might. But it wouldn't come natural. God would have to tell me to. But you see what it says right here? Listen, Jesus said, Jesus said, your father in heaven makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. 
And he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. Jesus said that. Jesus said, your father in heaven is so good. He's such a giver. He is so merciful, so gracious that your father in heaven looks on the wicked, looks on those who wake up every day and curse his name, drop the the GD bomb all the time, but he gives to them. And you know why he does it? The Bible says that the goodness of God might lead them to repentance. He's a good God. In the book of Romans where Paul the Apostle describes the pathway of destruction, Romans 1, that ancient civilizations took when they walked away from God, it says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now watch this, folks. This is amazing. They knew God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see that? When you don't thank God, you you begin to spiral down. When you're not a thanker, when you're not God conscious, you begin to spiral down. And the spiral is into futile thinking, which means thinking that goes nowhere, thinking that doesn't produce anything, thinking that is a dead-end road, thinking that is really stuck in a cul-de-sac. You do not ever arrive at truth or peace when you have futile thinking. And he says, their thoughts became futile and their hearts were spiritually darkened and it all began when they didn't thank God or give the glory due to him as God. Folks, there is something to this thing of thanking God. We need to be thankers of God and we need to give credit. We need to acknowledge where what we have came from. The thankful person always and gladly acknowledges the source of all that he has. I just think I want to thank a minute. Can we just lift our hands and say, Jesus, thank you for all that I have, for your goodness toward me. Blessed is the Lord. I thank you, Lord God. Can we give him a hand of praise and thank him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But then I see something else, and I've seen it through the years. A thankful person admits his limitations. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. The thankful person realizes that without the help of God and the help of other people, he or she could never have succeeded alone. In other words, the thankful person is not so proud that they see that my abilities are limited. And so God has had to help me, and other people have had to help me. And so I acknowledge that, and I'm going to thank God and those that have helped me because without them, I could never have gotten where I've gotten. That's what thankful people do. Thankful people remember to thank. They think to thank. I was thinking of Nebuchadnezzar. Here's Nebuchadnezzar. He is king over the mightiest nation on earth. Babylon has covered the earth. He is the number one most powerful man on the planet. And the Bible is so clear that God put him there. But look at what he did one day. One day, Nebuchadnezzar, he's out walking around. He's looking at everything he built, or he thinks he built. He's looking at everything that has been built, this incredible city of Babylon. He's out there looking at it, drinking it all in. And look at what this man says. It says, he looked out across the city of Babylon and said, by my own Mighty power. 
I have built this majestic city to display my majestic splendor. Right about then, I feel like ducking. (laughs) Because listen to the pronouns there. I, my, my, I. He said, look what I've done. And I did it all for me. Because I'm so incredible, I want everybody looking at me. And do you know that the very next verse, the very next verse, God speaks. And God says, today, the kingdom is taken away from you until you learn to give glory to God. Whoa. You know what happened to him? You know what happened to him? He went crazy. He went insane, and he began crawling around on all fours. It says his fingernails grew out like bird claws. His hair became matted and long, and he walked around, are you ready, eating grass like an animal, And then the Bible says, and he was that way for quite some time. I don't know who ran the kingdom while he was like this, but he was like this for a while. And I mean, over a year, some long period of time. And then it says, when his reason returned to him, it returned because he gave the glory to God. And he came back to his senses. So can we say that it is sort of a, a type of insanity when God has blessed you and you fail to thank him. Because it doesn't make sense. Here God gives you all these things. And yet you don't even look up and say, Lord, you're my source. I acknowledge the source. And no way I could have ever done this without you. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for all the grace and all the mercy and all you've done for my job, my kids, my home, my life, the gifts I have, what I own. You have given it to me, Lord. And I, and I want to thank you for helping me become what I could never have done on my own. You know, as I stand before you today, I am anything but a self-made man. You know what? There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Our culture loves using that phrase, self-made man. I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. No, you're not. You can't be. You're full of pride. You didn't make yourself. Start with God created you. Look in the mirror and say, whoop, he did this. I stand on the shoulders of people that have helped me all my life long. I stand on the shoulders of the man who gave me my first break at preaching the Word of God and encouraged me to keep doing it. I stand on his shoulders. I would never have stepped forward if he hadn't encouraged me. I stand on the shoulders, I'm telling you the truth, of a godly wife who has always encouraged me in the things of God, has never discouraged me. She has been right there. I stand on her shoulders. There will be no Turning Point Church without Kathy and many, many other people. I stand on the shoulders of every man that God ever put me under to learn from them. I stand on the shoulders of the pastor who brought me into his office one day and told me he would pay for my remaining two years of college, which he did. I stand on his shoulders. Now, let me be truthful with you. When I preach, you're hearing echoes of other people who have influenced me. You're hearing echoes of Pastor Howard Knatzer, from whom I learned pulpit preaching. 
When you listen to me preach, you're hearing echoes of Billy Graham, whose style and gospel preaching I studied. I have a bachelor's degree in Billy Graham. And being a very, very voracious, avid reader, not to mention the myriad great men and women of God from history that I have read about, learned from, been inspired by, and whose successes made me want to reach higher, I'm standing on their shoulders. But let me be truthful. Most of all, I stand utterly and totally and consummately and completely on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ, without whom I would be lost and ruined and hopeless. I'm standing on his shoulders. I love the honesty of Paul, the great apostle Paul. But listen to him. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am. Not because I did this. I am what I am because I'm a self-made man. No. I am what I am because I'm incredibly gifted. No. I am what I am because God reached down by his grace, had mercy on me, pulled me out of the pit of iniquity, stood me on my feet, washed me of my sins, filled me with the Holy Ghost, called me to the gospel ministry, and made me what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. Another verse puts it, but whatever I am now, it is all because... God poured out such kindness and grace upon me. You see, a thankful person is humble enough to admit he couldn't have done it without others and without God. And then he thinks to thank. That man who paid for my college, I sent him a card a few years ago because I got to thinking, I have not returned to him. And said, you know, because you paid for me to get a bachelor's degree, I went out and got a master's, got a doctorate, and I would have never got the master's and the doctorate if you had not paid my way for those last two years of the bachelor's degree. And I sent him a thank you. And Kathy and I decided to look around and think of people who brought us to where we are. And we started calling them and sending them cards of thanks. Jesus healed 10 lepers. Only one came back and said, thank you. I think one of the most haunting verses in all the Bible is, where are the nine? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Did I not heal them of a terminal disease? Did I not heal them of leprosy? Did I not remove their reproach and give them another life? And only one came back. But there's the last thing I want to mention today. A thankful person accepts his lot in life. Now, let me tell you where I'm going with that. I mean, he's content with what God has given him. And he thanks him for it. I'm not saying that, that you should sit back and say, well, because, you know, because I am what I am and, you know, I have, I have what I have. There's really no reason for me to try to improve. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should not try to improve yourself that you shouldn't seek for higher ground, bigger horizons, greater accomplishments. I'm a huge believer in maximizing the gifting God has given you. Whatever God has given you, you ought to make the most out of it. You ought to climb as high as you can climb, swim as far as you can swim, 
You ought to do as much as you can do to give God the glory. But here's what I am saying. I'm saying that each of us are born with certain gifts and abilities and talents. And that therefore means that we weren't born with certain gifts and abilities and talents that we'll never have. You know, I sometimes wish I could sing like Michael W. Smith or like Abby, but, but like a guy. <laughs> Abby did the special. I wish that I could sing that way like a guy. Oh, I wish I could sing that way. But I can't. Have you ever noticed they pull my mic down when I sing? <laughs> God called me to preach. I have a voice to preach, but I don't have a voice to sing. But now, I, I have wished it. And I've wished that I could play guitar, and I'm going to date myself here. I've wished I could play guitar like Eric Clapton. Oh, I wish I could play. Now, I know that he's secular and all that, but, oh, that man can play guitar. I wish I could do that to the glory of God. I would get up here and wipe you out. (laughs) And I wish I could throw a football like... um, Boy, I'm getting into big trouble here. I don't want to lose my congregation. Roger Staubach. But here's the deal. I can't do any of those things because God didn't gift me with them. My hands aren't big enough to take a football and throw it that far. But here's what I'm saying. I am thankful for what I have received, and I'm content with that. My goal is to take, I'm a one-gift guy. I'm called to preach. I can't sing, dance, play, preach like so many of these multi-gifted people that make me sick. But I can preach. And, and, and God called me to that. So I intend to take that one gift, and I'm going to work it, and I am going to work it, and I am going to double and triple and quadruple work it, and I'm going to use it to the glory of God until Jesus comes. I'm going to glorify God with it. And here's the deal. This is the true key to happiness. You want to be happy? Well, you don't have to take something, smoke something, drink something, snort something to get it. Let me tell you how to be happy. Be thankful. Because you know what it will do? You'll be content. And if you're content, you are a billionaire. If you're content, you're rich. If you're content because you're... Th- no thankful person is not content. And show me an unthankful person, I'll show you somebody that will never be content. Contentment is a great gift. Thankful people don't envy others. They aren't jealous of what other people have because they're thankful for what they have been given and they're content with it. I was driving down the highway the other day. True story. Just last week. I'm driving down the highway and I came up on a guy and he was in... A brand new, shiny, sleek, drool-worthy Mercedes-Benz sedan. I mean, I think he just drove it out of the lot. And as I got up to him, I noticed he's a young guy. He's, he's young and, and he's, he's kicked back. He's not even trying to speed. He wants everybody passing him and looking. And he's kicked back just kind of driving with one finger looking, looking at her. And I noticed he had this really nice shirt on. I mean, it looked like this guy had it all going on. And I know what he was after. He was after all of us looking at him and going, may God give you a wreck between now and But listen, 
I'm watching him, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm passing him, and I became aware of what I was not feeling as I watched him. I'm telling you the truth. I was not wishing I had his car or his shirt or his lifestyle or his slick back hair. No, I was wishing he had what I have. That's what I was wishing. That's really what I was wishing. That's really true. I was wishing. Now, I don't know if he was saved or not. He didn't act saved. Now, Pastor Jeff, there you go, spiritually profiling. Well, just forgive me while I digress and profile for a minute. Uh, He didn't. It, I just the impression was he was kind of worldly. I don't know. He may not have been. But if he was worldly, I was wishing he had what I have. Because here's what I have. Because of the grace. We sang about it, amazing grace. What I have is I have God's peace. I have God's peace because Jesus died on the cross for me. He, he stretched out his arms and his feet and they nailed him to that tree and his blood ran down that cross. And when it ran down that cross, it wiped out my sin. It wiped out my destruction. It delivered me from hell. It carried me to heaven. It gave me a brand new life, a brand new hope, a brand new beginning. It totally changed my life. And God's peace, you can't put a price tag on God's peace. You can't purchase God's peace. It's already been purchased for you by the only currency that could have purchased it, and that was the blood of the Lamb slapped down at the bar of God when Jesus gave his blood. And when he did, I got peace. Did you get the Lord's peace? Do you know that you're rich if you have the Lord's peace? And I wouldn't trade God's peace for Donald Trump's money, a movie movie star's fame, an athlete's strength, or a genius's IQ. Because peace that passes understanding has no price tag. So I said, I hope he has my Jesus. I hope he's saved. I hope because one day that car is going to be rust. His shirt is going to be throwaway. He's not, all that he is glorying in is is temporary. But what God has given to anyone who looks to his son is eternal, unstealable, unassailable peace. Thank God for it. So can we work on not, complaining as much and trying to remember to thank God because here's what we thank him for. Say it with me. I thank him as my source. I thank him as my completer. I thank him for what I've been given. If we can just start there and be delivered of complaining, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. This really is embarrassing. I don't think I've told a church this story before, but I did it in the first service and I can't show favoritism. So let me just tell you, when I was 16, oh, I was a complaining. Listen, I would have slapped me silly if I'd known me at 16. And I got in trouble. I got arrested for sale of narcotics, and I got put in juvenile home. And part of the the stipulation of my probation was I got sent to a ranch in Austin for a year. And I was put on a ranch, about 100 guys, and we lived in little trailers, and and, um, you were confined there, although you got to walk around in the countryside, you were still confined 
upon the acreage there. And so here I was, Mr. Complainer. Nothing was ever right. Nothing, you know, I complained about everything. And we had to get into, we all ate in one great big dining hall. And you had to get in this long line, and, we, and, and then you would go through a line, and sort of a buffet line, they give you your meal, and you go to table and sit down with all the other guys. So this one morning, I was in a particularly complaining mood. So I'm, they're giving us eggs, eggs and bacon and toast, I forget what, and, and I took it, I was complaining. I saw something I didn't like, and I started complaining. And complaining all the way back to my chair, all the way to the table, Okay, this isn't right. That's not right. What's that? This place say stinks and blah, blah. Now here's the eggs. Right when I'm about, this big hand comes down and scoops up those eggs and slaps them right on top of my head. <laughs> Yoke is running down, and this voice behind me says. Now see if you'll like them next time. It was one of the personnel, one of the workers. And I'm looking around at my friends. Oh, these eggs are great. Man, I love these eggs. These eggs are fantastic. Wow, I've never had eggs. I really did have egg on my face. Let me tell you something. Ask me if I ever complained again. No. Neither did anybody else. And it broke something in me. Not the oak. It broke something in me. You know what it broke? I, it was stupid that I was complaining. I was eating good food, and there I was this complaint. It broke something in me. And, you know, God will do that for you. If you're just always going around saying, ah, this and that and the other, I wish this and this. Well, you know, if not this and that, then I would be this and that. Listen, stop it. Because what you have God has allowed into your life and start getting thankful. You know, when you're digging a hole, uh, when, you're, when you find yourself digging a hole, the best thing to do is stop digging. When you're being unthankful, stop and start thanking God. And that was right after I'd gotten saved. I got saved and then sent off to that ranch, and I've learned. As soon as you say, Jesus, come into my heart, you may know nothing about the Bible, but he immediately starts to work on you. And he saw that was something that needed to go. Now I've told you something. Please don't look at me and see egg running down. It happened, and it was good for me. It was. Now I want you to stand with me, would you?